All right, if you have your Bibles tonight, let's go to Romans chapter 5, Romans the 5th chapter. So just to kind of give you, and I've had some folks ask, like, well, Pastor Mark, if you're going more than 36 classes, how many more? And, um, and so I want to do some more teaching on righteousness. We haven't really uh, covered that to what I believe is the Holy Spirit satisfaction. It's, it's, a, it's a vast subject. It's something that, that we've taught on here at Heritage for years, and we'll continue to teach on it for years. But there are just some certain things that I want to make sure that we cover in our discipleship class curriculum concerning righteousness. To me, it's, it's, it's one of the most important teachings uh, for the born-again believer, uh, and so many people are, are clueless, and, and again, ignorant means you don't know, ignorant when it comes to the righteousness that they've received, the righteousness that they've been made, the righteousness that they've become. And th- this is why you hear... You know, so many people talk about um, how unworthy they are and, and, and how condemned they feel and how ashamed and guilty. And uh, Amen. Again, um, we deserved all of that, but Jesus became all that for us so that we could go free and be free. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We're going to talk some more about that tonight and make sure we get that covered. There are, there are some passages in Hebrews 6 that um, I want us to deal with because, again, there's a lot of confusion from those passages. A lot of people point to those passages and say, well, Pastor Mark, I hear everything you're saying, but right here in Hebrews chapter 6, it says that you can lose your salvation. And again, I, I want to take some time to break those verses down and make sure you understand what those verses are saying so that you and the Holy Spirit uh, can decide for yourself. Uh, but I want to make sure you have the opportunity to hear what, what's really being talked about there uh, before you just uh, have a knee-jerk reaction to, uh, you know, to what uh, the Bible is, is, is saying there and what you think it may mean, what religion, traditional religious beliefs uh, say that those uh, verses uh, mean. And then um, we're, we're going to spend probably two weeks on renewing the mind. So... Uh, anyway, that's, that's what's ahead. That's the material we haven't covered yet that I feel very compelled um, to, to get to and to cover. All right. So, Romans chapter 5, and uh, we'll begin at verse number 6. Let me, and, and this is in my notes, and I keep bringing it to the top of my notes the last three weeks and haven't mentioned it, and just felt impressed as we begin tonight. And, and this is from Timothy Keller, and, and, and uh, he says that, Um, A weak swimmer, like somebody that swims in the water, a weak swimmer, an average swimmer, and a world-class champion swimmer all leave California to swim to Hawaii. Um, And, and of course, what we know is that none of them are going to make it, right? Um, No matter how weak or how strong a swimmer, um, they're all going to drown, okay? Um, And so... A devout Jew, a very moral Gentile, Gentile, a devout Jew, a very moral Gentile, and an absolute heathen, all leave California to swim to Hawaii. You know, you see what I'm saying here. Um, it, it does. We think that because you know somebody is like really devout and really a religious person and a good person and a moral person. Um, that somehow that's going to earn them entrance into heaven. That's going to earn them right standing with God. And it, it, so what Timothy Keller's talking about there is, you know, you, you can have somebody that's a, you know, a triathlete, a world-class swimmer, but they're not going to swim to Hawaii. 
um, any more than the weak swimmer or the average swimmer is, is, going to, is going to make it there. And so when we talk about right standing with God, what we've got to understand is that none of us are good enough. None of us will ever be good enough. On our own efforts, our, our own abilities, um, you know, the, the prophets weighed in on this and, and, and basically said that our self-righteousness, and, and that's our efforts to make ourselves right before God in the eyes of God, is, is nothing more than filthy rags to God. It's, it's garbage uh, to God. And, and so it's very important to understand that there's only, one, there's only one righteousness that's acceptable to God, and that is the righteousness of His Son. Uh, and, and if you don't measure up to that, then you're not right before Him in His eyes. And you say, well, Pastor, how, how could anybody ever measure up to that? Again, we've been given that. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is why this is such a big deal. Now, I can tell you straight up, the enemy of your soul has fought you tooth and toenail since the day you were born again to try to keep you from ever understanding the righteousness that you've become, the right standing that you have with God the Father, that you have the same standing in His eyes as His Son Jesus. You have the same access to Him, the same fellowship with Him, the same inheritance from Him as Jesus because you have been given that standing as a gift, that righteousness, that right standing as a gift. Again, it's, we say gift even, we want to we dig a little deeper as we did last week. It's not just something you've been given in the sense that it's a gift that you put in your pocket, but it's literally something you became through the new birth. The Bible says you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because you were born a second time of righteous seed, of seed that produced the characteristic, the quality the standard of righteousness. Amen. All right. So Romans chapter 5, and let's begin at verse number 6. It says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, past completed work, we shall be saved, future benefits, by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Now, if you're just joining us, um, obviously you can benefit from what we're talking about tonight, but we've spent a week and a half, uh, last week and the week before, uh, really digging into what we call salvation terminology. Um, words like propitiation, words like redemption, words like justification, words like reconciliation. All of these words are words that Father God used to, to communicate to you and me what, what He's done for us, what, what's been given to us, what it means to be saved, and it means so much more to be, than just being forgiven for your sins, right? So you've been justified, you've been reconciled. The wrath, the punishment that, that you deserve, Jesus took it for you. That's what propitiation means. He is our propitiation. Jesus is our propitiation. He is our redemption. He is our justification. He is our reconciliation. To be reconciled means to be uh, uh, reestablished in a close relationship once again with God. So notice in these verses that 
that God demonstrated His love for us while, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. When we started talking about the salvation terminology, and we began with propitiation, this is when Jesus took the blame and punishment for everything that, that you ever have been or ever have done or ever will do wrong. Okay? He did that without your permission. I don't know if you remember me telling you that. I said He did that without your permission. In other words, He did that without your permission, but He also did that without any guarantee any one of us would ever accept uh, this gift of salvation, this abundance of grace and gift of righteousness that He came to make available for us. But He did it uh, in faith, believing, amen, that there would be those uh, who call upon His name. We know that He came to His own people. The book of John tells us, the Gospel of John tells us, and, and a lot of people rejected Him. But as many as received Him, the Bible says, He gave the right power privilege to become sons of God who were born of God, not of the will of man, not of the will of flesh, uh, but, or, or of blood, but born of God. Now, there's something here, though, that, and, and, and the Holy Spirit revealed this to me you know, some time ago. Um, when we see Jesus dying on the cross, this is a demonstration of God's love, um, but it's, it's, it's not all the love that He has. Uh, and, and if you really look closely at the verses that we just read, we see that Jesus dying on the cross is a demonstration of the love of God for His enemies. This is what Jesus did for all of us while we were the enemies of God. This is what Jesus did for all of us when, as I like to sometimes say, we were waving the middle finger of our life in His face. This is what Jesus did for us. Okay? This is how much He loved you then. But if we've been born again, that's not who we are anymore. We're not separated from God. We're not lost. We're not sinners. We're not heathen anymore. We're children of God. We're the righteousness of God. We're the offspring of God. We've been born of God. So what he's saying here in Romans 5 is, if he loved you enough to die for you when you were his enemy, how much more now that you are his offspring, that you've been born a second time of his seed, have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, have received this gift of justification, have been reconciled, reestablishing a close relationship between, with him now, how much more, right, will, will he love you and does he love you? So again, as, 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 an, as amazing as, as the demonstration of God's love was uh, in, in the person of Christ Jesus hanging on the cross, that is simply a demonstration of the love that He has for His enemies. We're not His enemies anymore. We've been reconciled to Him. So how much more? So notice again, verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Wrath is speaking of eternal damnation. The, the wrath of God that is still upon those who have not received Jesus, the Bible says. The wrath of God still abides upon those who have not called upon the name of the Lord and received this gift of salvation. And that's speaking of the doom, the eternal doom in a devil's hell that awaits them one day. For if when we were enemies, we're not enemies anymore, but if when we were enemies, we were reconciled through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, now that we have been reestablished and justified and all those things we've been talking about, we shall be saved by His life. Okay, So a lot of times we, 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 we talk about what the death of Jesus has done for us. And, and obviously it's a lot. Amen. We, it, we've spent weeks uh, you know, peeling back the layers of that and looking at that in so many different passages, Old Testament and New Testament. And so not to, not to discount or downplay in any way what His death has done for you, Okay, but have you ever stopped to consider that 
now the Jesus who died for you and as you is now living for you and as you. He was raised from the dead. He was seated at the right hand of God. We are seated there with Him, right? So he's saying if the death of His Son has reconciled you and now we're in Christ, um, how much more, having been reconciled, um, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, verse 11, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. All right. So that verse 9, last week we broke it down. We said, having been made righteous, this is speaking of a past completed work, we are now righteous, present tense state of being, and will therefore be saved from eternal damnation in hell. This is speaking of future tense results and benefits. All right. Let's keep going. Verse number 12, Romans 5, now verse number 12. Therefore, remember anytime you see a therefore, he's, he's saying in light of what you've just had revealed to you, in light of what was just spoken to you in the verses that preceded this one, right? And what those verses lay out, he's saying in light of that, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Remember, um, we all sinned when Adam sinned because we were all in him in seed form. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed. It was not kept a record of uh, when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Now, we spent probably... 20 minutes on this verse uh, a few classes back I just, on these verses. I just want to remind you again what he's saying here and what the point that he's making here is that it was not your sin that made you a sinner and it was not your obedience that made you righteous. It was the first Adam's sin that made us all by nature sinners. And yet it was the last Adam, Jesus, it was His obedience that has now made us righteous. Okay, Let me keep going here. It says, but the free gift, this is speaking of the gift of salvation, the gift of righteousness, for the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more by the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that, which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. So what our father Adam, our previous father Adam did, it brought condemnation on us. What the last Adam Jesus did for us as our representative, because remember, we're not in Adam. If you've been born again, you're not in Adam anymore. You're in Christ. Amen. And so he's saying that, that what, what Adam did when we were in him brought condemnation to us all. Now that we've been born again and are in Christ, that has now brought and resulted in not condemnation, but justification. Now, there's, there's a whole lot of important words here, but there's two that you need to really understand because they're used repetitively uh, throughout the Word of God, but especially here um, in uh, Romans chapter 5. And those two words are the words much more. Those two words are the words much more. Okay? So he's saying that while we compare these things, 
the, the, the sin of the first Adam that, that brought condemnation to us, comparing that to the obedience of Jesus, the last Adam, and the, and the, and the justification that has resulted in our lives, he said, while we compare these things to one another, that they are not alike in the sense that they are equal in power. Okay, what do I mean by that? He's saying much more. He's saying if Adam's sin brought condemnation to all of us, much more does Jesus' obedience bring justification to us. Okay, so I know this may, again, we've got a lot of, ends that are coming together, a lot of things we've talked about that are, that are all kind of converging here tonight. We spent some time talking about the power of seed. We spent some time talking about the power of Adam's sin and the effect that that had upon all of us. It brought death to every human being, even over those that never broke one of God's commandments, those who live from Adam to Moses. Remember, the only, only command given by God until, until those laws given by Moses came through Moses, was don't eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All those people who were born after Adam that never committed the same sin, never broke the commandment that, that Adam broke, they were sinless sinners. That's what we call them, sinless sinners. They never committed a sin because they never broke a commandment that God had given, yet they were sinners. How do we know they were sinners? Because they all died. They, death passed to all men because Adam's sin is what the Bible says. So when we talk about how powerful, and, and please don't misunderstand me, it, it is extremely powerful what Adam did and the effects that that have had upon all humanity, every human being that will ever live, ever have lived, ever will live on planet earth. It is, it is extremely, it is excruciatingly powerful, okay? But it can't hold a candle to how powerful Jesus' obedience and the results of His obedience now in our lives, okay? So we talk, about the, uh, we talk about the permanence of what Adam did and, and how apart from uh, being born a second time of a different seed, it's impossible to reverse. It's irreversible. And, and, and yet Jesus came and gave us the opportunity to be born a second time because remember, seed determines the nature of a thing and He gave us the opportunity to be born a second time of an incorruptible seed that produced within us an indestructible heredity, an incorruptible nature, right? allowed us the opportunity to become a partaker of the divine nature of God, all right? But remember I told you that so many people, so many people will amen a sermon when you say you can't be good enough to go from sinner to saint, but those same people look at you crazy when you say you can't commit enough sin to go from, from saint back to sinner. Remember, we're talking about something here that transcends behavior. We're talking about something that goes much deeper than behavior, Okay? Amen, I know I'll just kind of ruffle some feathers. Hang in here with me, we're going somewhere good tonight. All right, now, so he's saying much more, much more. Let me try to, let me try to capture, and, and the Holy Spirit I think really helped me this afternoon, um, really try to capture and zero in on some of these things, all right? So what he's saying here is that the abundance of grace that has made us righteous is much more powerful than the sin that once condemned us. I'm not saying that the sin that condemned us wasn't powerful. The Bible's not saying it wasn't powerful. It was extremely powerful. But he's saying that what Jesus has done to correct the problem is not equal in power to the problem. It is greater in power, greater in effect than the problem that was created by Adam's sin. 
Okay? Now, let's do this. The salvation we received is not shallow and temporary. It is eternal and goes to the depths of our being. Okay, there's a typo there, but you got it. it go, it's, not, it's not shallow and, and, and temporary. It's eternal and it goes to the depths of our being. All right? How about this? The new creation we became is not weak and fragile and waiting to crumble and be undone by the sin that may still beset us. Who you are in Christ is rugged, durable, and irreversible. The righteousness you became has been battle-tested. Your righteousness emerged unscathed and victorious over hell itself and every imaginable thing the enemies of God could throw at it. That's who you became. That's what you've been given. It's much greater, much more powerful. The effect of what Jesus has done for you is so much greater than the effect of what Adam did and, 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 uh, and how that affected us and the impact that it had on us. Well, that just stirs me up right there. Praise God. All right, so let's keep going. Verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, Right? And when he's talking about reigning here, he's talking about a tyrant. I mean, he's talking about, you know, think of how many people uh, at death's door begging to live and died anyway. You, you follow what I'm saying? In other words, when, he, when he's talking about death reigning, no one was exempt. No, no one was, you know, going to be able to uh, overcome the, the grip or the, or the permanence or the irreversible effect of death. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, so again, notice, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So he's, see, we've, we've gone from uh, being ruled over by death to ruling and reigning in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now again, I said we've got a lot of a lot of avenues of teaching kind of converging here tonight. Let's go back to some of the things we covered, in this case, months ago. This would have probably been maybe as far back as, as the end of 2019 in our curriculum. But remember, God created mankind to rule and reign on this planet. God did not create you because He was looking for something or someone else to rule over he created you in order to rule through you. He wanted to share authority. He created Adam and Eve and He said, now let them rule. Let them have dominion. Okay? You were created by God to rule and reign in life. If you don't believe me, just ask yourself, do you like to lose? Nobody likes to lose. We, we all want to win. It's because we were created. We were hardwired. We were designed to win. Winning is in your spiritual God-given DNA. Our Father is a winner. He always triumphs. And He created you to be more than a conqueror and to always triumph in Christ Jesus. So now, notice that our daily victory is directly connected to the abundance of grace and gift of righteousness that we've received. This gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore... Again, in light of what we're looking at, he keeps building this layer upon layer. As through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. 
justification of life. Not just justification for the moment, justification of life. I'm a lifer. I've been justified for life and for all of eternity. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded, there it is again, much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friend, i got great news for you tonight. If you've been born again, you've become, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know some of this is review that, that we're fixing to go into right now. But again, in light of what we've just read, I want to go back through these again. We've said that righteousness is a state of being. Okay? Righteousness is not just something you do. Righteousness is, is who you be. Okay, you're not a human doing, you're a human being. And when you were born again, you were made, having now been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? So righteousness is a state of being. So words that are, re- are related to this, often confused with this, let's take holiness. Holiness is a state of doing. Godliness, again, is a state of doing. What do we mean by Holiness. Holiness is all the things, I'm trying to simplify this for you, okay, I'm not trying to um, confuse you, I'm trying to simplify it. We've got to get the essence of something and then we can build upward and outward from there. But the essence of holiness is that it's all the things I do not do anymore because I've been made righteous. It's all the things I choose not to do anymore because it's it's not not becoming to me anymore. It's It's not who I am, okay? Jealousy doesn't look good on me, and it doesn't look good on you either, all right? Hate and anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, those things don't look good on you, right? Um, And so when we talk about holiness, we're talking about all the things we abstain from, places we don't go, the jokes we don't tell and laugh at, the the, the stuff we don't look at on the internet, all, all that, right? That's holiness, all right? So it's a state of doing. Righteousness is a state of being. Holiness, on the other hand, is a state of doing, and it's something that must be done in response to you being made righteous. Let me say it another way, okay? You can never abstain from enough wrong behavior to make yourself righteous. Right? You say, well, I've never been to a bar, I've never been to an R-rated movie, I've never drank a beer, I've never... Again, I mean, that's, that's good, that's healthy stuff there. But that doesn't, that doesn't make you righteous, okay? And so when we talk about holiness, remember, if, if you think you can make yourself righteous by, you know, striving at holiness and godliness, that's self-righteousness, and again, it's, it's unacceptable. It's, it's nothing more than... It's actually offensive to God, okay? It's, it's, anyway, it's actually offensive to God, okay? So... Holiness is all the things I do not do anymore because I've been made righteous. Godliness is all the things I do because I have been made righteous. Coming to church, reading my Bible, uh, sharing Jesus with other people, uh, giving tithes and offerings, um, you know, good works that we were created for, uh, helping out, this, all, all these acts of service, all these things. Again, are those important? 
absolutely positively important. But just as holiness must be a response to being made righteous, godliness also must be a response to you being made righteous. And any time we think our righteousness is dependent upon our progression in godliness and holiness, right? We've, we've taken it out, we've taken righteousness out of the context of a free gift given, and we've put it into the context of something that can be earned. My friend, you can't earn it. You, God will never owe you anything because you've been good enough and stayed away from enough sin uh, and, and, and bad places in life that now all of a sudden God owes you. No, no, that's not how it works. It's a free gift, okay? And when we understand that free gift, we understand who we are, we understand what we've been made in response to that. Okay, So again, there's a huge difference between serving God to be accepted by Him versus serving God because you know you're accepted by Him. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now, I've got to stay with this for another second or two, okay? All right, so, so righteousness is a state of being. It's not based upon works. Holiness and godliness are, are, are works. These are things we do. One of my favorite quotes from Keith Moore. Uh, my righteousness is not based upon what I do, but my rewards are. Don't confuse the two. Don't confuse the two. There are all kinds of rewards in life for holiness and exercising yourself towards godliness. The Bible says exercise yourself towards godliness it's profitable in, in all things in every area of your life there's no area in your life that won't benefit from more godliness from 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 more commitment and devotion to the things of god and the life that he created us to live but the minute you start thinking that you can add to or take away from your righteousness right based upon what you do is the day you've lost sight of it being a gift that was given to you as opposed to something that you've earned or deserved. Go with me to Romans chapter 10 now. Romans chapter 10. Well, I believe in Jesus' name you're getting something out of this tonight. Praise God. Romans chapter 10. So we've got quite a few uh, pages of notes here that we've gone through. Um, let's go to... Uh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, Romans 10 and verse number 2. All right, this is, this is some important stuff. We're going to build a little more on this tonight, all right? Romans 10 and 2, it says this, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Well, he's ultimately talking about righteousness here, but, you know, again, I'm not here to throw rocks at anybody. There, there's been all kinds of times in my life when I've had a, a, a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. I mean, some of the things that I'm most ashamed of is is arguing the Bible with people and only to find out later they were right and I was wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I had a zeal for God, but I was ignorant and I, and I didn't know and I didn't understand. And so that can, that can involve, you know, there's all kinds of people who err not knowing the Scriptures of the power of God when it comes to prosperity. I was, I was listening to uh, uh, a book uh, today and it's, it's a great book. Again, I'm not here to, to bash the authors, but you know, they, they, you know, they're talking about how Jesus wasn't prosperous and, and, and that most people believe that, that him becoming poor for us meant him leaving his riches in heaven, right? Well, again, all, all these other things that he did for us, 
he became sin for us so that we could become his righteousness. He took stripes upon his back so that we could receive healing. He became poor so that we could become rich. All those other things involve what happened here on the earth. You follow what I'm saying here? Um, but again, I, you know, again, do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Have a zeal for God. Uh, but, but sometimes that zeal um, carries people beyond what they know and understand. Okay? So, we're all growing. Amen. I'm growing. We're all growing. But listen to what he says here in verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So they're trying to make themselves righteous by their own godly works, by their own efforts to abstain from, you know, wrong things in this world. Listen to me, if you, if you think I'm telling you that it's okay for you to, to just do whatever you want, that's not what I'm saying. There's consequences to these things. and So don't, don't try to twist what I'm saying to you tonight. Holiness and godliness, extremely important. The Bible talks about them, okay? All right? Um, but what I'm trying to distinguish, and it's very important, and, and it's why a lot of pastors and teachers, preachers, teachers, they don't want to go there because they don't want people to get, you know, twist what they're saying, all that other stuff. What I'm trying to do tonight is distinguish the difference between what you do for God and what He's done for you. Okay? You see, the... The, the big difference between uh, Peter and John in the Bible is that Peter was always talking about how much he loved Jesus. John was always talking about how much Jesus loved him. Right? You, are you, you seeing the difference there? Um, and, and so what we do for our Father and what we do for God and the things that we don't do and stay away from for Him, all of that, again, is extremely important. But when you stand before God one day, <laughs> don't be so foolish as to think that it's because of what you've done that you're there. Amen. On the day that I stand before Him, it's going to be because of what He's done for me. Amen. And that's, that's the difference there. I'm righteous, not because I was raised in church. As, as my brother says, we was raised Christian. Amen. And we were raised Christian. And I'm thankful for that. And I don't... I don't take that for granted because I minister to a lot of people every week, amen, that were not raised in church. And some of them don't know the Old Testament from the New Testament in the Bible. And I, I'm so thankful for all of that. But listen, that doesn't make me more righteous. That doesn't make me any more righteous than somebody who was born again 10 minutes ago because we both received the same gift of righteousness from our Father. So they're being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So it sounds to me like that we all need to submit to the righteousness of God. Now, this is where, and thank God He's a merciful God, but see, this is where a lot of people, you've got a lot of born-again people who still haven't submitted to the righteousness of God. Remember we looked at the verse last week where it says it's a good thing for the heart to be established in grace. So many people are trying to establish their hearts in works. They're trying to feel better about themselves because they, they you know, are, are so faithful and so pious and so religious. And it meant Jesus bled to death naked on the cross for far more than you feeling a little bit better about yourself. Amen. 
He, he wanted to make you right before His Father in the eyes of His Father for all of eternity. So, He's saying here that they're trying to establish their own righteousness and by trying to do it themselves, that means that's pride, right? See, that's the other part. He says it's our, our gift is a gift. The salvation is a gift, Ephesians 2, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that, that's one of the things we see often associated with, with what the Bible teaches us about our new birth and our salvation, is that there's no boasting in it. See, if I've saved myself, if I'm all this in a bag of chips because, you know, I've uh, I, I read the Bible and I came to church and I'm this and I'm that, see, then that's pride. That's, that's boasting. That's, hey, look at me. Um, again, stench in the nostrils of God. So to submit to the righteousness of God is to recognize that there's not anything I can do to make myself any more righteous than Jesus has made me. When you submit to something, this, this means to place yourself under it, not beside it, not above it, but under it. Amen. To, to come under, to submit to. It's a military term literally referring to a soldier under a commander. Righteousness has now become a commander that I submit myself to. Not, I'm not equal to, I'm not above, I'm submitted to it. I'm underneath the righteousness of God. Now, Keith Moore, I've quoted him a time or two already tonight. Another one of my favorite quotes from him is that submission is only a factor when there's disagreement. Submission is only a factor when there's disagreement. In other words, as long as you agree with your boss, you're really technically not submitted to him or her. It's when your boss wants to do it one way and you want to do it another way and there's disagreement. Submission is when you recognize his or her authority and you place yourself under it. Okay? So when we talk about submission, we're talking about placing ourselves under something that, that for whatever reason may make us somewhat uncomfortable or, or you know, we may at least mentally in our meat computers disagree with. Right? See, again... It's, it's very easy to just point our fingers at first century Jews and say, well, they're, you know, they don't understand what this is all about. My friend, this wasn't just written to first century Jews. This was written to born-again believers. Romans is written to the church at Rome. This is written to men and women, right? And, and, and so it's very easy for a lot of folks who've already been born again and made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus to feel like that they're not righteous, talk about how pitiful they are, talk about how broken they are, talk about how this and just an old sinner saved by grace. Guess what? You're not submitted to the righteousness of God if you keep on saying that garbage. Right? You're disagreeing. God says you're just as right before Him in His eyes as Jesus. He's made you like someone who's never sinned and you just walk around vomiting out all that garbage, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Submit. Get yourself in submission to the righteousness of God. Submit yourself to what He says about you, what He's done for you, what He's made you, what He's given to you. Amen. Amen. Oh, getting stirred up up in here. All right. So submit means to place yourself under. Submission only comes into play when you disagree. If Father has declared you righteous, stop disagreeing with Him. Best advice I could ever give anybody, agree with God and agree with Him quickly. If He says you're just as right before Him as Jesus in His eyes, then, and He's made you just as right before Him as Jesus, then quit disagreeing with Him. Quit rebelling against Him. Quit calling Him a liar. And believe Him. And submit yourself to Him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, 
Where's the time go? Let's, we're going to plow ahead a little further tonight, okay? Amen. Sometimes Pam and I, we like to watch uh, 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 home building shows and things like that. On We record them so we don't have to sit through the commercials and stuff, you know, and uh, try not to, anyway. But sometimes, you know, we'll be like into a program. We're both tired and it's like we, the DVR. We will stop it and turn the TV off and watch it again in a few days or something like that. You see what I'm saying? So, again, if, if, if you get tired, this will be archived, right? <laughs> if you're ready for bed, go to bed. Amen. And, and pick it up where you left off uh, tomorrow, okay? But I'm going to push forward a little further tonight, all right? Now, what? here's a question, and it's not a trick question, okay? But it's one that, you know, like, like good questions will help kind of stir some things up and maybe even turn, turn some things over in your heart. Here's the question. Be careful how you answer, okay? It's not a trick question, but be careful how you answer. What percentage of your righteousness depends upon you and what percentage of your righteousness depends upon God? Okay? Now, when I say be careful how you answer, I mean, ultimately answer it truthfully, but how you answer will go a long way Toward revealing how much you have submitted to the righteousness of God. Okay? Now let me let me give you the answer to this question. Are you ready? One hundred percent of your righteousness depends upon what Jesus has done for you, and zero percent depends upon your obedience or what you do for him. Okay? Now I didn't ask you what percentage of your holiness. I didn't ask you what percentage of of, of your godliness. I asked you what percentage of your righteousness. Okay? 100% of your righteousness depends upon what Jesus has done for you, and zero depends upon your obedience or what you do for Him. You see, the reality of it is you cannot do one thing to add to or take away from the righteousness you became through the new birth. You cannot increase the standing you have with God, and you cannot diminish the standing you have with God. You've been given the same standing with Him as Jesus, and there is no better standing. Okay? Now, this is a much bigger problem than most people understand. On the surface, think with me now, on the surface, it seems innocent enough. After all, Pastor Mark, better safe than sorry. I mean, my efforts can only help, right? I mean, who's going to chance it? I mean, I'm going to try to do the best I can and make myself as right before God. No, no, see, again, um, you can't do one thing to add to or take away. Right? To believe, listen to me very carefully. To believe your obedience and good works can add to your righteousness also means you believe your disobedience and lack of good works can take away from it. You see how there's, that's, that's a coin with two sides. If, if you think and believe that doing good works can make you more righteous, then you also have to believe, because it's got to go both ways, that when you're having a, a rough week, when you're struggling in some areas in your life, that now all of a sudden you're not as accepted by Father God. You're not as right before Him in His eyes. So do you see how tricky, see how the devil pulls that stunt? It's like, well, you know, um, can only help. I, you know, better be safe than sorry. You know, got to try to stay saved here. We got to try. See, it, so again, the devil deceives us. That's what the opening parts of Galatians is talking about when Paul is just, you know, really getting on them hard by the Holy Spirit. 
You know, he says, are you so foolish to think that, you know, you can somehow maintain something you could never produce? That you're going to, all of a sudden, you're going to finish in the flesh what you started in the spirit? That, that what you could never produce on your own, that God has given you as a free gift, now is dependent upon you to somehow maintain it and preserve it? My friend, I can't save myself and I can't keep myself. Amen. He is my keeper, right? He is my keeper. He is my advocate. In Him I live and move and have my being. Now, let's do this. Um, we will start here next week, but um, I want to uh, refer you to our website. In other words, if, if you were in here in the room physically, I'd have a big stack of these to give to everybody. Um, but this is available, uh, free download, uh, on the website. The website is hccnow.org. When you go there, you look up at the top, um, you'll see a resources tab. And when you click on the resources tab, there's not a whole lot of resources in there, but this one is in there. And it's called, um, uh, I think, Righteousness Handout. And again, it'll look just like this. Um, it's, it's two things that the Lord uh, gave me some years ago. Uh, the first one is an overview of righteousness. And the second one is called Understanding the Relationship Between Being Righteous and Doing Right. Okay, Understanding the Relationship Between Being Righteous and Doing Right. They all print out on the same document. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I'm going to encourage you to, uh, to access that. And um, print it off if you can. Save it on your phone, what, what have you. And, um, and so your, your assignment is to read these two things. I like to just read them out loud. Amen. Is to read these two things at least once a day. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Read them at least once a day uh, until this time next week. All right. And then we're going to go through them together. Uh, but you're going to find, um, although we don't have scripture references uh, in text, um, this is taken from the Word of God. Um, and so I'm excited uh, about you benefiting from it. So again, Righteousness Handout, hccnow.org um, is the website, and look under the Resources tab. There's some stuff in there about healing, and that's one of the areas Brother Jason Peavy is, is uh, helping us to simplify the website so that um, we can make it more user-friendly and more editable so that we can add some more things like this uh, to the site. Praise God. All right, I believe in Jesus' name by faith that you've gotten some good stuff out of this tonight. Uh, let me pray for you and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for what you're teaching us. Thank you for what you're showing us. Thank you, Father, for helping us lay hold of truth. Father, for the ability uh, to humble ourselves under your mighty hand and submit ourselves um, to this gift of righteousness, uh, this abundance of grace uh, that you have bestowed upon us, that you have given to us. Lord, thank you that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Father, as, as, as painful and as harmful and as uh, you know, effective as far as negative and darkness is concerned as, as Adam's uh, disobedience was, it can't hold a candle to Jesus' obedience and the effectiveness uh, and the effect that that is having upon our lives uh, because we are now in Him and we are in Christ and we have received, again, this gift of righteousness. So, Lord, help us. Lord, be more godly this week. Help us be more holy 
this week to walk in godliness, to walk in holiness, Lord, to, to exercise ourselves in these things, to, to uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, to, to, um, to, to not allow our flesh and emotions to rule us, but Father, to, to, to live our lives being led by your Spirit. Um, and Lord, I thank you for uh, a week of victory, uh, a week of uh, uh, prosperity, a week of uh, overcoming, Father, for my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, we love you. Again, thank you for uh, listening, tuning in uh, tonight. Um, we'll be back Sunday morning in person at 1030. And our commitment is, uh, if we're not able to live stream that, I don't think we'll be able to this coming Sunday. We're working to get that up and, and running. Uh, but we'll try to get those uh, recorded uh, messages on uh, the church website as soon as possible for those of you who uh, are not be able to join us uh, on Sunday morning. Anyway, good things coming. You be blessed. Have a great rest of your week.